Back in 2020, the biggest consumer book publisher in the world, Penguin Random House, offered to pay more than $2 billion for one of its rivals, Simon & Schuster. They want Simon & Schuster. They feel they need it. It will secure their legacy for many, many years going forward. Owning Simon & Schuster puts them in a position unlike any other publisher in the world. The acquisition would solidify Penguin Random House as the world's largest consumer publisher and further consolidate an industry that's been consolidating for decades. But yesterday... The U.S. Justice Department sued today to block a giant merger in book publishing. The suit alleges that Penguin Random House's proposed $2 billion acquisition of Simon & Schuster would allow it to exert, quote, outsized influence over which books are published in the United States and how much authors are paid. If the Justice Department's lawsuit succeeds, it would blow up the deal. But Penguin Random House doesn't plan to back away, which is setting up a showdown between the world's biggest consumer publisher and the U.S. government. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Wednesday, November 3rd. Coming up on the show, a massive merger in the book publishing industry and the government's fight to stop it. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. Our colleague Jeffrey Trachtenberg has been covering the publishing industry for about two decades. Do you read lots of books yourself? I I, I do, unfortunately. It's my (laughs) wife's... uh, bane of her life because they're piled up everywhere. Can I ask what you're reading right now? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, reading, I'm reading a Lawrence Osborne novel. Like a lot of books, the one Jeff is reading is published by Penguin Random House. The publisher's authors include big names like John Grisham and Dan Brown. Anytime you look at a bestseller list anywhere in the country, you're going to see many titles published by Penguin Random House. They have their wherewithal to buy any book they want to buy. For example, when they wanted to buy President Obama's memoirs and the First Lady's memoirs, they went out and paid over $60 million and they bought them. They have the largest array of authors under one house. So they have the most content, right? They have the most revenue and they're very efficient and they have Because of their size, they have data, and they have people on their payroll who can interpret data, and that gives them a competitive advantage. Penguin Random House came to dominate the book publishing industry mostly by buying other publishers. It's part of a long-running trend. Well, back in the 80s, we had many, many family-owned publishing companies. And as people got older, maybe they decided there wasn't anybody in their family who they wanted to take over. Maybe they were beginning to lose out in terms of they were no longer gaining the sort of signing up the types of authors they once did. So they would sell their businesses. And some certain companies, such as Random House, began to get 
a lot larger. And over the 20-year period, we saw a constant acquisition spree. Penguin Random House is a big part of this acquisition spree. It actually used to be two separate companies, Penguin Group and Random House, but they merged in 2013. What's driving all this consolidation? So that's a good question. And in part, it has to do with a cultural shift, right? How do we spend our free time? Do we go home right away and open a new novel? Or do we turn on our TV and watch Netflix or go to Amazon Prime? We get hooked on a streaming series. Every time we do that, reading time is diminished. In other words, how do you get larger if people are spending more and more time doing things other than reading? So one avenue would be acquisition. If you want to grow, you have to buy. Another factor behind this consolidation is the rise of huge retailers like Amazon. Amazon has changed not only the way people buy books, but also how they get promoted. It drives discovery. Book publishers have said that having more control of more titles gives them more negotiating power over things like sales or promotions. And there are other advantages of being a big publisher, too, like when it comes to paying authors. Well, to start with, you can afford to spend more. So if we're competing for a book that we think is going to be a top seller, and I'm bigger than you are, and I think this book is going to blow up, I'm willing to take a risk. And I have more money in my wallet to spend than you do. I suppose you can also take more risks because if you've got more books to sell, you have a higher likelihood that one of them will be a hit and can offset some of the other ones you've taken a gamble on. That's very true. One of the things in publishing that is crucial is the ability to break out authors each year. In addition, our country, in terms of reading, we tend to read the same authors over and over and over again. So the bestseller lists are dominated by pretty much the same names year after year after year. Those authors are expensive. The larger you are means the more opportunity you have to either keep the authors you have or perhaps gain new ones. This trend of consolidation has meant that there are now five publishers controlling the majority of the industry. They're known as the Big Five. Well, first you have Penguin Random House, and you have Simon Schuster, and you have Macmillan, and you have Hachette. How many are we up to at this point? That's four, I think. And then HarperCollins, is that the last one? And we have HarperCollins would be in the Big Five. And what does the fact that there are only five big publishers mean, first of all, for customers? The big publishers would argue that's good for customers, that they're the ones who are able to operate most efficiently. They are the ones who are able to support the largest authors. They're the ones who are able to take risks on emerging authors. And they're the ones who keep retailers in stock. And what about for authors? Authors want to be published by the big five because they're reviewed as the most efficient and because they can pay the most. Also, let's not forget, after you write your book, what happens to it? Who's going to find it? Who's going to see it? Who's going to promote it? How are people going to know it's out there? In theory, the big five have more marketing muscle. They have all sorts of online advertising programs. They can promote it on Amazon. They have hundreds of people on staff trying to get their books noticed by readers. So when you're a big five author, in theory, you've got that army behind you. For years, big publishers have been gaining heft by buying up smaller publishing houses. But it's rare that a major player comes on the market. And so, in 2020, when Simon & Schuster went up for sale, it got a ton of interest. 
It was put up for sale because its parent company, Viacom, CBS, decided it wanted to sell the business and invest in streaming, video streaming services. And it also saw that there was a demand that the market place appeared to be hot for publishers. And they must have decided that they could get a, a good price. Tell me about Simon & Schuster. What kind of books are, and authors are they known for? So Simon & Schuster publishes every type of book. But in 2020, they really dominated the political book landscape. They had the Trump memoir by Mary L. Trump. They had the John Bolton White House memoir. Uh, they have the latest Bob Woodward book. They dominated the political bookshelf in 2020. Multiple companies kicked the tires on Simon & Schuster. Then, Penguin Random House came in with a massive offer. They offered basically nearly $2.2 billion, which, and I think many people looked at that price and said, oh my gosh, that is so much more than we anticipated that they would pay. $300, $400, 500000000 million more, perhaps, than bidders anticipated. Why were they spending so much? Well... You'd have to uh, ask Penguin Random House, but this is my view and only my view. But I think it was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to cap themselves as the perennial champs in book publishing. It would put so much space in terms of titles, market share, revenue between them and the second largest publisher. It would have made them pretty much untouchable. I don't think anyone could have ever overtaken Penguin Random House, Simon & Schuster. They would have capped themselves as the largest publisher in the world, and it would have been unchallengeable for many, many years. Penguin Random House currently employs about 10,000 people across 20 countries. If they added Simon & Schuster and its 1,500 employees, the two combined would make up more than a quarter of print book sales in the U.S. And according to regulators, the combined company would have a huge influence over how the industry operates, which is why they're suing. That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Workday. Get the whole band together with Workday and pair finance and HR on one platform for an epic performance. With Workday AI at the core, you'll make confident decisions faster than ever. And you'll drive flawless business and finance operations with an agile platform that constantly evolves to future-proof your organization. Be a finance and HR rock star with Workday. Visit Workday.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by C3 AI. C3 Generative AI enables rapid access to secure, traceable, hallucination-free insights from enterprise systems, all while using any LLM, helping enterprises turn the invisible into the obvious. Learn more at c3.ai. Yesterday, the Department of Justice filed an antitrust lawsuit to stop Penguin Random House from buying Simon & Schuster. And the feds focused on one potential impact of the deal. They focused on author opportunities. And they said, basically, that if Penguin Random House and Simon Schuster merge, authors, especially authors of top-selling books, hotly anticipated books, are going to suffer. That there will be less competition for their books. And that their advances will eventually shrink. And that's an important issue because... Relatively few books are giant bestsellers and enable their authors to earn royalty payments. 
So your advance, the amount of money that you're given ahead of publication is crucial. Explain more about how that works. Why, why does that matter so much? Well, the more money you're given as an author up front, the more money you have in, in your bank account and you're less dependent on the performance of your book. It may be that uh, your book, even though people thought it was going to do great, it may not quite sell enough copies to allow the publisher to earn back the advance that it paid to the author. And until your advance has been repaid, you don't get royalty payments. So what is the DOJ's argument about how this merger would hurt authors? Their argument, basically, if you look through the lawsuit, it says that often, in many auctions, Simon & Schuster and Penguin Random House are pitted against each other. And that when they want a hot book, they really go at it. And the concern is that if they were both under one roof, there would be some competition, but it wouldn't be as intense, and there would be a cap. For example, you've written a new mystery novel, and it's a good one. And your your agent calls five publishers and says, "Here's this fantastic upcoming uh, manuscript. Let's have we're going to have an auction. What are your bids?" Maybe all five jump in, and maybe various imprints of the big five jump in. So they're all competing against each other. So you're the writer, and you're thinking, "This is great. Eight, nine, ten people are fighting for my book. I'm going to get what it's really valued at." Maybe there's less of that competition. Have you heard from authors about how they feel about this merger? Well, I I spoke to several authors, including Stephen King, who was published by Simon Schuster. Stephen King said he was delighted by the DOJ action. He was delighted by the lawsuit. Right. And the Authors Guild had opposed the merger because they felt it would be anti-competitive. Penguin Random House and Simon & Schuster disagree. They say the suit is unwarranted and that even after the sale, book publishing would still be a competitive environment. They say they have no plans to acquire fewer books or pay authors less money. Is this type of DOJ antitrust lawsuit unusual to focus on the market for authors instead of consumer prices for books? Right. That's what we thought was the twist. We hadn't anticipated that. I think many people were surprised by the action because antitrust law seemed to be based recently, at least in the last 10 years, on the impact on consumer pricing. In other words, would the result of a merger or acquisition lead to higher prices for you and me? And I think if you step back and look at the publishing landscape, it would be hard to argue that Penguin Random House and Simon & Schuster merging would lead to higher prices for consumers. Suddenly, the rights of authors, the larger economic impact on authors is brought to the fore instead of focusing on consumers. So now we're, we're looking at the people who actually create the books and whose creativity is on display and saying, we're going to think about the economic impact on these people instead of on the broader consumer population. The publishers vowed to fight the Justice Department. The suit is expected to go to court. So now the battle lines have been drawn. DOJ says you can't merge, and Penguin Random House, Simon Schuster said, yes, we can. We're going to go to court, and we're going to prove our right to merge. Do you think there's any chance that Penguin Random House just walks away from the deal? I would say no. This is a grand prize for them. 
I don't think they're going to give up easily. I think they're going to fight. They have the funds to fight. They think they're in the right here. So no, I don't think they walk away. What would it mean for the book publishing industry if this merger is allowed to go forward? And what would it mean for the industry if it gets blocked? So if the merger eventually takes place, it will obviously mean one fewer major publishing house at the auction table. So in effect, maybe advances will be impacted. It's very possible. If the merger is blocked, that raises a lot of questions because we already know that ViacomCBS wants to sell Simon & Schuster. They want to invest in their streaming business. So Simon & Schuster would still, in theory, be on the sales block. Now the question would be, who would be allowed to buy it? Would it only be allowed to be purchased by private equity? Could only a foreign buyer buy Simon & Schuster? And then what if you're an author and you're not sure what the future of Simon & Schuster is going to be? Who's going to own it down the road? Do you want to take your book there? And what if you're an employee at Simon & Schuster? Are you concerned now that your uh, livelihood may need a new job? What's going to be the fate? It creates so much uncertainty for the people who work there. That's all for today, Wednesday, November 3rd. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Additional reporting in this episode by Brent Kendall. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.